All right, let's see here. This week we are. Oh, by the way, we now go every week is a new lesson. So okay. No more, you know, no, it doesn't, no more two weeks apiece or something, which, you know, that just makes it a little more difficult because memorization on the verses. Um, one week each. So. What? What's this? How many? How many lessons left? We go to thirteen. So this we'll finish November. I think it's the fourth is the Sunday in November. Okay. So we only get back to the eleventh. So you get back. To I'll the do the next two or three Sundays. Oh, you'll be gone. And then we're gone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where are you going? Italy. Oh, on a, uh, just a vacation. Yeah, Kat's got family there. She's never. Wow. Been to visit, uh -huh. and so she's been planning this for years. Mm. Um, she was going to go the week COVID shut everything down. And she had a refund on plane tickets and all that stuff. So I told her when we retired, I said, We'll go and retire. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So we're going. Well, fortunately, it's not expensive because we get to stay with them. Yeah. And that that cuts it down. These points for the plane fare. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So now it's a cruise home, but it's cheap because it's repositioning. So it's cheaper than airfare. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. I said, okay, let's do that. Okay. Otherwise, go by yourself like you were going to do. So, so, so you'll be gone for the next three weeks? No, we leave. Or I'll be here for the next two or three. Oh, weeks. and then after that? Three right. weeks. Yeah, you have to. 15. I think we'll probably finish then before you come back, yeah, right? We get back okay. To so you'll have to get with me at some point after that, so I can um, hand you all the materials I have okay. and uh, get you set up. And then, you know, whenever you're ready to teach class, you're ready to go. You know, you tweak it how you want. Yeah, make it work for you. And there it so let me pray for us. We get started because this is prayer in the believer. So we want to make sure we're praying for us. Right? Father God, thank you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your blessings on us, uh, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ, uh, your son who you sent to pay the penalty for sin, for those who believe you. Um, and we just pray for your mercy on us now. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply it, um, to live it out. And uh, we just uh, pray for those who might be on the way, Lord. Just give them safe passage ask for your blessing on our time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all right, Michael, why are we here? Uh, to know God more deeply, to, to have assurance of eternal life, to come equipped for ministry. I'm equipped. Do you know what's in this room before we come here in the morning? Prayer meeting. A prayer ministry, right? So here we go. You can become, now, because this is about prayer and the believer, you can be equipped for uh, the prayer ministry. So, yeah, there's a, that's a, a good example of being equipped for ministry, is uh, direct, direct uh, ministry of prayer. Okay, so we're uh, Lesson 8, um, which is uh, Prayer and the Believer. And the member verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Go ahead, Kathy. Don't be anxious for anything but in prayer, but, but in prayer and supplication, which were... No. I, I had it before you asked me. Ah. <laughs> Do not be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else memorize it? Keone, did you memorize it? Ooh, six and seven. Yeah, be anxious. A, no, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Amen, amen. So what was your version? I, I think I memorized it. NIV, ASV, and NASB, NIV. So it's okay. all kind of... Ah. <laughs> and yours? New King James. New King James, yeah. Okay, good. So here it is. Be anxious for nothing. Right. And so we're, we're going to break it down because that's part of our discussion today. But, um, you know, this is, a, this is one of those verses that is good to memor memorize early on as a Christian. Right? Because you always in your life have moments of anxiety for things, right? And um, it's... Mm -hmm. <coughs> but it's, you know, um, 
Anxiety is uh, our, based in our what? Our emotions, right? And those emotions then um, drive some of our thoughts. And some people are really emotional, right? Some people are super duper anxious, right? Why? Why are they so anxious? Well, when we become believers and we read God's word and we understand his word, we need to recognize the sovereignty of God in all things and trust in his promises. And so, um, by knowing that what, is, what his word says, in Romans 8.28, for instance, that he causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him are called according to his purposes. Right? So then, when we're having difficulty in life, we should trust that it's for our good. And that he is in control of all things, and that he uses all things for his glory and for our good. So when we're in those situations and just our minds are playing the what if, what if, what if game, um, it should more like be, what does God want me to learn through this situation? And then the sooner we learn what we need to learn through that, the sooner that trial moves on and that anxiety we can put away. So it's... But it's a practice. It's a, it's a practice because we come into life when we're a believer. We've had all these years of practicing this type of sin. And this is a sin because we're a command not to, right? So when we are anxious, we're not trusting in God is what that says. But the, the, the thing that's difficult about it is that, again, we've been doing this for so many years of our life. And then we have to stop in the middle and say, wait a minute. God's word tells me not to be anxious because I can trust him because he's in control of all things. And then, once we've done that, what happens? Well, we can then rely on God's peace because then his, his peace will fill us. And that is what then surpasses all understanding and it guards our hearts and minds so that we aren't going to be thinking about what it is that is driving this anxiety. In fact, the following verses after this are what indicate what we should be thinking of instead of, you know, oh, I'm going to miss my plane. Oh, I'm going to miss my bus. Oh, I'm going to miss whatever. You know, there's an old saying I used to say this a long time ago. 90% of the things you worry about never happen. The 10% that do happen, you can't do anything about. So why worry, right? And that's a practical application of life, but... You know, the really reason is God's in control of all things anyway. So, we can do that. All right, let's move on. We, we, we'll break this down a little bit later. Quiz, 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 quiz. You know, there was one question on here that was more difficult than most, but um, we'll get through it. Uh, Keone, read that one. All right, number one, prayer is effective only when a person is alone on his knees. Uh, that is false. Right? I mean, it is effective, but not only. <laughs> only when you're on your knees. Yes, right? How about when Moses was standing up and they were holding his hands up, right? And then when he dropped his hands, though, they started losing the war and they had to hold them up again, right? So apparently, that's, under his <laughs> apparently that was the best time to pray, standing with your hands right. up, right? Jim. Prayer does not communicate information from man to God because God already knows all things. True. That's true, right? Even though you wrote false on your paper. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trick question. So you, you got confused. Think Sometimes you read something wrong and just mark it wrong, right? I do that sometimes too. But anyway, no. Uh, so, and, and this, so we're not telling God anything He doesn't know, right? Because God is what He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything that we need before we even ask for it. Is what it says, right? So yeah, we're not we're not communicating anything to Him He doesn't already know. We'll talk about what that's all about, Michael. God only answers. Prayers pertaining to spiritual needs rather than physical needs. False. Yeah, that's false, right? We pray, pray for healing. We pray for all kinds of things. Right? Kathy. The Lord's Prayer should be memorized so that it may often be prayed to God. I, I fit true on that one. I don't know if it's true or not. But not really for the benefit of, that's one of those worded weird. Um, <laughs> but for the benefit, it's the principle of the prayer, the... Isn't that the word principle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the template. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's so in reality, the Lord's Prayer, it's not, we don't memorize it just so we can say it back. Because, right, you got to be careful. Who does that frequently? You know what a rosary is, right? Yeah, the rosary is uh, 10 Hail Marys in a row, and then one Our Father, and then 10 Hail Marys, and one on all the way around the, the beats, right? And so uh, that's, they, they memorize it for that. And that's penance, by the way. You know, when you go into the confessional booth and you talk to the priest and you, you tell them, oh, you know, I remember this. It's amazing. I was eight years old when I did my first confession, but you get in there and you recite their opening line and you tell them all oh, these are the sins I committed this week, right? And then he says, okay, for your penance, say five Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. So this is, and it's like there is a, a verse <coughs> about saying prayers, vain repetition as if somehow God hears that, right? And so that's kind of what this is about. That's not... You only had five... Yeah, right. You were a really good kid. Because <laughs> if I had had to do that, I'd have, I'd have been there all week doing this. Yes, well, things. you know, I think I lived in a bad neighborhood and the priest was like desensitized, right? So he's like, well, you're nothing compared to the last guy. Here. So yeah, anyway. That's what I was going to say. He went yeah, right. soft on you. He went soft on me, that's all. So yeah, it's, um, we don't remember. Now, that being said, is it okay to pray the scriptures back to God? Yes. yes. Absolutely. In fact, a lot of times we can cite promises back to God, right? That's, and it's not reminding God of his promises, is it? No, but it's certainly reminding us that we can trust in him because of his promises. So that's really what prayer is for. Keone, number five. Prayer can change situations and people, um, yes and no. I mean, God ultimately is, but... And we see, as we see Moses praying for, um, yeah, it, it can go either way, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, but it's true, right? Is it, uh, how, okay, we, we, we'll, we'll talk about it, yeah. but um, yeah, prayer is, is a way to change situations and people, right? But ultimately it's God. God does it, yeah. but how does he do it? He does it. As a means, right? God, and we know that God determines the ends, but he also determines the means, right? And the Correct. means are through prayer, right? So, and, and what's the purpose of that? Why? For his glory, ultimately. Everything it's ultimately it's for his glory, but what, what does that do for us? That's more faith in God. Yeah, right? That's what prayer, prayer doesn't, doesn't change God. Prayer doesn't, you know... Prayer changes us. <laughs> doing it's, it's it's for us, and so um, it's a when you pray. Well, well, we'll get to that, but it's it's a, there's a recognition there. You're not praying because you don't believe something's going to happen, right? So. Jim, we should pray all the time without ceasing. True, is it true, right? And we we'll talk about we we'll talk about what that looks like, right? So, Michael, number seven, please. Uh, since God grants the desires of our heart, we can pray for a new heart we truly desire. Okay, we'll let you have that one. Go ahead, Ken. Okay, God's not, just because you asked for it, don't mean God's got to give you that. But He did do that for me one time. And I mean, give me a car outright. Wow. Uh, through a church. And so, praise God for that. But, um, so, and I bet, I and mean, I didn't, I just went every, for three months every day for three months and in the back of my mind kept thinking I don't really want a minivan but Lord you know I wouldn't ask for a minivan but I got a minivan there you go. <laughs> donated to me yeah. and church. so you know whether you if you had put true or if you put false it would have been either way. I think I marked both. How you describe it, right? <laughs> well yeah and, it, and it's, it is exactly because if you understand the question then you'll understand how to answer it, right? And that's where it depends on your motives. Motives, exactly. that's a big thing. And it's so, not a genie in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. right, right. But, but you can still ask for a car. It's not wrong to ask for a car. Right, and we'll, we'll get to the kind of the parameters for where that would be correct. So, but yeah, we'll call it false because typically <laughs> it's, people get it the wrong, the wrong way and they think of it as it, its application to the name it, claim it, Miss, you know, prosperity, <clears throat> prosperity gospel out there. So, but yeah, it's, it could be true or false. So either way. Okay, Kathy. Our prayers will be answered only when we pray in accordance with God's will. True. Right. So, how does that then apply to verse seven? 
I mean, uh, That's question true. seven. If the car's in his will, then you'll get it. It's part of God's will, yeah. And so there's certain there are certain aspects where we can we could be praying for for material things, and God grants that, right? So, Keone. Number nine, confessing our sin to God is an important aspect of our prayers. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we'll we'll cover a verse for that later. Jim, last one. If we truly believe, God will always give us everything that we ask for. False. <laughs> yeah, but this is one of those things. It could always, be. It just uh, depends. I guess. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, How typically, many of us typically we call this false. Asking what God wants us. To that's the problem, Every right? <laughs> Well, this, this worked well for Jesus, right? Because he is always in the Father's will, Amen. Right? but not for us so much. Okay, any questions on the homework? Anybody do it? Any questions about the message? Anybody listen to the message? Did you? John, John's method, John McCarthy, yeah. Yeah. Good message. Anything that, like, neon lights popped out? What? Um, Yeah. You asked me. Now we we listened to it on the way here because you know we have right. an hour and ten minute drive. So. Oh wow! Yeah, so you yeah, listen to the whole message. La Follette. La Follette. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, the whole message is great. So, so what we're going to talk about: nature of prayer, practice of prayer, struggle of prayer, and its application. So, the nature of prayer. Purpose of prayer is to express our submission to the sovereignty of God and our trust in his faithfulness. Prayer is the means by which we express all that it is in our hearts to our loving and wise Heavenly Father. Prayer is not to give God information because God already knows everything. Prayer brings us into reverent communion with God, worshiping him and acknowledging him as the giver of all things, right? So then, what's the purpose of prayer? Well, Brings glory to God. Keone, read that one. Yeah, John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Yeah. So who is this speaking? Jesus. Jesus. And what does what does it mean to ask anything in his name? Uh, alignment with his will. You mean ultimately. we don't just like add in the name of Jesus and we already get Name it clear. Jesus. No, I mean, <clears throat> you can do that, but that's not ultimately what it means just Throwing the name Jesus, um, obviously, because we see many false teachers do that in their fruit, but it's in alignment with His will, <clears throat> with His word, and um, glorifying Him. Yeah. Right. So it it's, says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Yeah. So the interesting, the verse right before this says, "If you believe in me," that's the prerequisite for this. This is the if-then statement. If you believe in me, then whatever you ask in my name. So. Belief, or I should say asking something in the name of Jesus Im implies a belief in him, right? And then also if you think about uh, Colossians 3, uh, 3, 16, uh, where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? So this is really kind of putting all this together. You believe in Jesus. His word is in your heart. When you ask anything in his name, it's going to be consistent with who he is and what his desires are. Right? And then, yeah, the Father would be glorified in the Son because of it. Okay, so then, uh, what else does this say here? I have written down is that... Um, in John 14, 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works uh, than these he will do because I go to my Father. So, prayer is an integral part of the work, the good works we do, as an outpouring of the belief we have in the Son. All right, so also prayer then, prayer aligns our will with God's will, right? He says, uh, Jesus says in Luke 22, 41 and 42, he knelt down, knelt down and began to pray saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. So that's the, that's the supreme example is Jesus praying to the Father, but asking whatever is done is his will and not, the, his, not Jesus' will, so... 
and then uh, Matthew 6:10 uh, in the in the uh, Lord's Prayer, right? It's Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayers should always be in alignment with God's will. So, why pray? Well, here's our verse, right? Be anxious for nothing. So then. Um, when we look at this, what I think Keone, you called it, this is a command, right? It's not a suggestion, it's a command. And then what, what is verse 7 in relation? It's the <clears throat> result and the peace of God. Right? So that's the blessing. The blessing. Here's the command, here's the blessing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting about this, verse 7, <clears throat> and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, will be will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So, what is this in contrast to Romans 8-7? What does Romans 8-7 say? It says that we are at enmity with God, or we are at war with God. So this is the result. 8-7 is the, believe, is the unbeliever, at war with God. The believer, this is, this is what the believer experiences, is peace with God. Think about that. Think about that. So the person, of enmity, yeah. the person that's at war with God. I mean, they should be anxious all the time, right? Mm-hmm. They're at war. They're not. They're not abiding. They're not believing, and so you know, their their end is destruction. I think that would make me nervous. <laughs> well, they don't believe God. And then we also pray why. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, uh, and that's, that's all well and good, but what else? We pray also to cast our burden upon God, right? So here it is. Jim, could you read that one? Yeah, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So why does this say, humble yourselves? Hmm. Well, it is, you are humbling yourself if you think you have any, if you give up any thought of control, mm-hmm. which is what causes anxiety. Exactly. Because we think there's some control. Right. You have no control. You have no control. Right. No. God's in control. Um, and sometimes the giving up of that thought of control will produce the anxiety. And so, but the other aspect of this, right, is that man by nature is the opposite of humble, right? Man is prideful, which is what the prideful man says, well, I can do what I want to do, right? And so they sin against God. But this is the reverse of that. It's humble ourselves before God, recognizing, because when you're praying, what are you saying? You don't pray to the wall. I mean, some people do. They pray to their statue or something else because they believe that the statue is going to do something for them, right? Well, we humble ourselves. We pray to God, recognizing that God is sovereign over everything and that he's the one who, who can answer our prayer, right? And then here it is again, that word, casting all your anxiety on him, right? So, Okay, and we also pray because prayer is powerful, right? James uh, 5, 16, 18. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So... Why is it that we should confess our sins? That you may be right, healed. Now, remember that prior to this, it, we're talking about people were sick because of sin, right? And so they would, the, the, uh, uh, the, the verses before that say, go to the elders and have them lay hands on you and pray for you, right? And so here is you confess your sins to one another because it's the sin sometimes that leads directly to the sickness, right? And even in, in Corinthians, uh, where uh, Chris has been for the last, I would say, year or so, I don't know. But he was, 
early on it was talking about those who, some are sick, some are asleep. And the term asleep is a euphemism for dead, right? They were dead because of certain sins. And so we confess our sins because in 1 John 1, 9, it also says that he cleanses from, from all unrighteousness, right? And then there's another, uh, another verse here, that, or underneath here, it says, and the effective prayer of a righteous man, right? So if he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, what does that make you? He takes away your sin. You are righteous. Now you are ready to pray to God, right? But the confession is what required that earlier verse that Jim mentioned was humble ourselves in Peter, right? Humble ourselves, confessing sin. He makes us then righteous. And now the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's prayer. That's, that's, that's kind of the model for how we should be praying. Okay. So then. Why pray if God's sovereign, right? Because, as I said, God not only ordains the ends, but also the means, right? So means, he uses, he uses prayer uh, as part of his overall, um, what's the good word? Overall process, right? It isn't, prayer isn't for him. Does prayer, our prayers to him, does it do anything to God? No, I mean... You know, we glorify God in our prayers, but God doesn't need anything from us, right? Prayer is really for us, and we are the beneficiaries of it when we pray, right? Because uh, our, when we pray, what does it do to our faith? Boosts, encourages. It builds our faith, up, right? Especially when you pray for something, and then that... What you, what you pray and ask for happens, comes true. I mean, we've been praying for gospel hope for a, a building, and they're moving in that direction. And I think that is just amazing that God is working all these details out. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah, and when that happens, well, God did it. It was, you know, you have faith in God that he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna provide. So our prayers, yeah, bring glory to God. And our, our prayers don't change God's mind, right? But it causes us to align our minds with God's will. Sometimes people will bring up a verse about, well, how about here it says God repented, you know, that he had made man. Does that mean God changed his mind? Yeah. God made a mistake. God made plan a mistake, B. plan B. Oh, no. That's what some people say, that he had to go to plan B, right? But no, God's omniscient. Okay, but and he then we show us why he, he did what he did, but we wouldn't have understood that. That's right. But that was, you know, testimony for us to understand. Understand what was going on, right? And when they use the word that God repented, I mean, it, repented doesn't mean necessarily a change, but is a relenting or a, a, a dis, uh, disapproval. But how is God going to express disapproval to us? So he was his wrath. Yeah, right. I mean, he was upset with with all of what was going on because of all the sin. This is prior to uh, prior to the flood, and uh, I forget exactly what book it's in. But um, what what vernacular do you what did, does does God use to communicate to us? Well, it's words, it's language, it's language we understand, and so he uses the words we we can understand. But it's not necessarily, it's almost like a translation, you know, from one language to another. It's like something's lost in the translation because it's never a perfect word for word, or rarely is it. So to understand God in that context, he's got to use words that we understand. And then people look at that word and say, oh, look at that. God doesn't know everything because God repented. Right? <laughs> so, you know, they, they misunderstand application. So that, that was a good point, Kathy. Okay, so prayers of command, right? We, we hit that one. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And then Ephesians 6.18, uh, with all prayer and petition, uh, petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. So what does that mean? How, how is it that we pray at all times? How is that? You have a heart that's just continually before the Lord. You're not living in sin. 
you're living in the presence of God. Yeah, right? So, so it's, it's a relationship. And I've, if you listen to the tape, uh, or, or John, when he mentioned it as, you know, it's like every, you walk outside and you see a great, just a beautiful morning, whatever, you say, praise God, thank you for it. What a great day. It's a constant uh, awareness of God in your life, in his creation, in, in just what's going on around you, and it's always giving God the glory for whatever it is that's happening, even, even in suffering, right? Or like when you're going down the road and seeing an accident, you say, pray, you know, ask God to be with them. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, that's another opportunity right then and there. So it's, there's always opportunities to pray, and it's, a, it's just being in a, uh, a prayer mindset. So, yeah. And of course, if you're always in that kind of mindset, what, what does that prevent you from doing? Yeah, right? More yeah. aware of your sin. Yeah, and it's like it's a way to control you know, emotions, right? Is your if you're constantly uh, thinking about God and his word, then that's like his word is dwelling in you richly. And as John MacArthur says, is that if the word of God is dwelling in you richly, then the word is controlling your actions, right? Yeah. And as a result of that, you're thinking of God. You're thinking of creation. And what that does is it takes focus off self and puts it on God. And so that helps us, or, or it helps us to overcome our own sin, right? Anger, envy, anxiousness, or whatever, going down the street and somebody cuts you off. You know, it's like, oh, pray for that sinner. God bless them. I'll pray for, pray for some skill sets for that driver, right? It's, so, yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, Craig in his uh, afternoon or third, third service class mentioned that a couple of weeks ago is that you know, pray for those who, uh, you know, who cross you or cross your path and cut out in front of you. This is an opportunity to pray for people. Yeah, Yelling pray. you moron is not what I should do. Pray for more. Well, so, you know, you don't know, uh, in, a, in a technical sense, moron is a definition, just like stupid is a definition, right? And it has specifically related to an IQ level. Yeah. So, if a person does something that is really, you would just say, it's dumb, it's stupid to do something like that, you know, you'd have to say, well, maybe it's because that's where they're at. Right? Yeah. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. But if they're driving a charger, I just pray for them automatically. <laughs> yeah. Pray for them automatically that they're <laughs> going to get where they're going safely, right? Yeah. There's too much, too much muscle under that, under the hood on that one, right? So, yeah. And why else? Why do we pray? Because Jesus prayed. Right? He sent the crowds away, went up to a mountain, he prayed. Prayed. Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed all the time, right? And then also. What's another great reason we pray? Michael, read this one. Uh, John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Right. We pray so that our joy may be full. Right. Wow. So, interesting. Steve Lawson says, if you want more joy, then be more thankful. Right? And in Ephesians, not sorry, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it says to, uh, first it says to pray always, and right after that, be thankful. Right? And that results in more joy. <laughs> I just think, you know, when you consider <clears throat> all the people in the world, what is it, seven and a half billion, something like that? How many of them are true believers? Of those seven and a half billion, let's say, I don't know, half a billion? Narrow is the gate. Right? Narrow is the gate. Few that find it. But wide, is, wide is the path that leads to destruction. So I don't know what the number is. But let's just say 500,000 true crew. Maybe it's, you know, I mean 500 million. Maybe it's a billion. I don't know. Maybe it's just say a billion. Maybe 10%. But... Of that, just think about this. All the other people in the world, 
they have no one to pray to. They have no way to relieve anxiety. They have no way, I mean, they have false ways to do that, but they, their prayers, like, they don't get past the ceiling. Bounce back down. So then, uh, Jesus also says this, right? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Does that mean we can ask for a, a new, a red Corvette? But the question is, you know, is it right? The payments with is it? Yeah. But our, it, we will be praying in accordance with His will. He knows more what we need than we know what we need. Right? So, I mean, and I would just say this about praying for things: is that you know, probably it's true. You could say, praise God that He has not answered all my prayers in the way I wanted, right? Yeah. At the time I prayed, I thought, this is it. This is what I need. And then later I found out, whoo, I'm so glad I didn't get that. <laughs> so, right? He always knows what's best for us. So, uh, and then uh, those who confess Jesus are Lord. This is it right here, right? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So remember that one verse we covered last week is that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that means that the Holy Spirit has to be in them in order to say that. And now 1 John 4, 15 says that if you confess Jesus, then God also abides in him. And then we know the Son abides in him. So all three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, abide in the believer. So, and then, this is key. You read that for us, Kathy. 1 John 3.22 And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. <clears throat> so, remember the verse John 14.13 says, If you abide in me and my words, abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you, right? Yes. Okay, now he's saying... Um, we can ask and receive what we want from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So, can we then equate abiding in Jesus to obedience? Right. Previous verse says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. Here he's saying, Ask what you want because we keep his commandments. So, it's obedience, yeah. so obedience is going to be the result of him abiding in us, right? Does anybody have an ESV? You guys have an ESV? No. Yeah, look up three John three thirty six in the ESV. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So, in that case, we're saying that belief results in obedience. Right? Here he's saying um, that obedience we can also equate with Jesus abiding in us. So, you have three relations there. Well, see, I want to ask about that because I hear people confess Christ all the time, mm -hmm. but they don't bear no fruit and they don't obey his commandments. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and we even fail, but what I'm saying is these are people you just truly, but they confess Christ. So I'm confused on that because you said only those who have the Holy Spirit can, would it not be like, I don't know what I'm trying to ask here. How can they say that and then... Right. So, this is a... Okay, great, great question. So, what does it mean to confess Christ as Lord, right? Uh, Romans 10, 9, right? If you confess Christ as Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, um, back in lesson 4 and 5, when we talked about Christ, if you had listened to the message from... John on there, he goes on to explain that there is something called lordship salvation, right? And then there's something called non-lordship 
uh, and I don't even call, I don't want to use the word salvation because it's not, but it's people who believe that, well, all you have to do is confess Jesus as Lord and you're saved. Right? Okay. This is equivalent to the people who said, I was baptized when I was six, and so I'm saved. I prayed the prayer off the aisle. I prayed, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, see I my prayed the prayer. Bible. I prayed the prayer, right? As if the prayer, as if what does the prayer do? Well, if you listen to Joel, he'll say, and if you said that prayer, we believe you just got saved. And so fill out, call us, and this and that and the other thing. Okay, well, that doesn't mean anything. And that's like the massive altar calls where people have an emotional response and they come up and then they, they say, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. And then they turn around and say, what does the parable of the soils tell us? Right? There's four soils. Right? And... Uh, just put myself on the spot here to remember them all, but there's the rocky soil, right, where the, the seed comes, and the seed is the gospel, and the birds eat it up right away, right? And then there's the shallow soil. Um, because it's shallow, it's warm, and the seeds germinate and sprout up right away, but because they have no depth, they wither and die, right? And then the third soil is the soil where... The, the seed is thrown on the dirt and it grows up, but there's the thistles and the thorns and it's, it's overtaken, right? And that's, that's the cares of the world, the thistles and the thorns. And so those choke, they choke out the, the word and they die. And then there's the fourth, which is the rich soil that, that produces a, 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 a fruit of 30, 60, or 90, right? Or 100. That, that, is the, that is the heart, and the soils are the heart, and that is the heart that truly believes. Right? So the others, you know, they, they have this maybe an emotional response, and they say, I'm saying, of course, we're in the Bible Belt, and that's what they say here, you know. And so uh, really it's, uh, it, and it's really sad because they are, they have a false assurance that somebody's given them, right? And this happens... So many, Joel Osteen, if you said that prayer, we believe you got saved. Prayer that he says, it has no power to it, right? Um, the power is in the true gospel, right? In uh, Romans 1, 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the belief is in the gospel and uh, John 3, 36 says, if you believe, you have eternal life, right? Believe if you believe. Believe what? If you believe everything about Jesus Christ that he said, if you believe that he died, uh, that he was crucified, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. This is the gospel for the forgiveness of the remission of sin. That's the gospel. If a person truly believes that, then what's the result of that? Well, John 3.36 says, he who believes has eternal life. He that does not obey shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's the difference, is that if you truly believe, you also truly obey. Yeah. If you don't believe, you don't obey. There is a false. So then that's false. The evidence there. Yeah. Right, and then is it is it in uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they went out from us because they were not of us, <clears throat> because if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out from us to show that they were not others. So, I mean, that's that's the difference. Well, I just I just hear that said a lot. Though. Mm -hmm. All you got to you know, say that. See, it says right there, and I think that comes in with the whole Armenian argument oh, yeah. as well. Part of that. You know? Part of, yeah. So, and this is just so sad because you know people they really do walk around thinking they're saved, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not. They they've never been, and um, they literally are, they have a, a, a false sense of assurance and you know, they need to be reached with the true gospel and there needs to be a true repentance and a true uh, mourning over sin which clearly there is none in, in that case. So, yeah. Thank you. Good point, very good point. So then, does God answer prayer of the unsaved? Which we just talked about. No. John 9, 31. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. 
this is this is like Chris could spend d days, weeks doing this verse right here, right? So, um, God does not hear sinners. Who are the sinners in this in this verse? These are unsaved, right? Because we're all sinners, right? But in this case, we're talking about unsaved, unforgiven, right? But if anyone is a worshiper of God, okay, well, what does that entail, a worshiper of God? Well, when we say there's a worshiper of God, there's a belief that God is who he says he is, right? There's a recognition of that. And in top of that, we do his will. What are his will? What's his will? That we obey his commandments, right? And he hears us. Why? Because we're, we're, because we're worshipers of God and we do his will. And I've got a brother who uh, is in drugs and stuff, and he went up to give him some gas for his truck. He goes, you need to pray for me to, help, to God to help me get out of this situation. I'm like, okay, you're not. What are you doing to get out of the situation? You know, I just looked at him like, how do I do that? <laughs> I mean, well, and this is a, okay, this is a great, great life example. Uh, when do people, you, you've heard the saying, there are no atheists in a foxhole, right? That, that means you're in a war, you're dug in, there's bombs going off, there's no atheists, and all of a sudden, everyone's a believer in God. So, in situations like that, People believe that God is their personal genie, right? And so, well, I'm in a bind. I can pray to God. He's going to get me out of his bind. And then after the bind or whatever, they get through it, it's, they're back to their old behavior. This is similar, <coughs> similar to the prosperity gospel, right? God is their personal genie bank account, right? And, of course, there's lots of other things attack, attached to that to get people to donate money, right? But nonetheless is that if you speak it, then God will do it. But that's certainly not according to this verse. That's right. They're not worshipers of him when they're praying for you know, riches and mansions and cars and all that. They're worshipers of self. For me to be successful also gave us a brain to mm -hmm. get out of those. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... That old story of the guy in the flood. <laughs> no. Right. Yes. Yeah, so the guys in the flood, well, he's in New York, right? It just happened, right? So, yeah. big flood, and this guy climbs up on his roof. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes on, yeah. right? It starts with, well, we put the fire truck by to tell you to get out, and then yeah. Ray, he goes, gets up a little higher, and a boat comes by. He says, no, God's going to save me. He's going to save me, hits the roof. The helicopter comes by, God's going to save me, and eventually he dies, he drowns, and he gets to the furly gates or whatever, and they say, you know, like, well, what happened? Well, God didn't save me. What do you mean? We sent a fire truck, we sent a boat, we sent a helicopter. What else do you want? <laughs> right. You got brain, use it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we looked at this to be uh, what Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, we cover what that was, but that's also being consistent with, with the will of the Lord, who's only did the will of the Father. Yeah, and then, okay, uh, in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Right? This is kind of other verses that are parallel passages, but this is later on, right? Um, and then, if you, ask any, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And of course, this is now Jesus saying, I'll do it if you ask it in my name. And before it's, ask, ask the Father in my name, and uh, it brings glory, glory to the Father. So it brings glory. Interesting. If you compare those passages, right? If you, Jesus says, ask anything in my name, it brings glory to the Father. And then Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So if you add that or look at those in parallel, it's like, oh, well, if we ask anything of the Father, it brings, I mean, through Jesus, it brings glory to the Father. And then also, then... Jesus will do it. So what Jesus does then on our behalf also brings glory to the Father. And that's what we talked about. Bring glory to the Father. Okay.
And then uh, we know this one. This is, uh, uh, again, we looked at that. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. So here's the practice of prayer. So um, this, is a, this is the pattern, right, for the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. What do we do? We start off, pray to God. Pray to God, right? Our Father who art in heaven. The second part is exalting him by saying, hallowed be thy name. Right? So there's two then. First, we pray to God. Second, we exalt him. Third, we submit to him, meaning your kingdom come, your will be done. So we align our submission, I mean our wills with his wills. And then we look to him seeking our what we need, right? So in this case, it's our daily bread, sustenance. And then the third thing is confess to him, pleading, forgive us our sins. And then depending on him asking, lead us not into temptation. And then the last part is trusting him uh, and requesting deliver us from evil. And this is, this is just a pattern. This is the pattern that Jesus had given his disciples. And then uh, I think this is in your book, Acts, right? Acts. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And it, I think it's, there, it's a, there's a little pamphlet that we used to have. It's called, I think, Seven Minutes, Seven Minutes with God. And it followed this act, right? And it was like uh, three minutes of adoration and then um, uh, a minute of confession or maybe two minutes of confession and then a minute of uh, thanksgiving and a minute of supplication, <coughs> seven minutes. And you start off that way and then pretty soon seven minutes is like not enough. You're into 10 and 12 and 14 and 30, and then you're developing this part here, Thanksgiving supplication. Your supplications then are 20 or 30 minutes long. You're praying for, you know, uh, Gospel Hope Church. You're praying, praying for, you know, this church and, and, and uh, property and a building and growth, and, you know, it just it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's kind of the practice of that, practice of prayer. So what are some of the hindrances? To answer prayers. Sin. Well, let's look at that one. Keone, this one, 6618. Yeah, um, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not So what is iniquity? Sin. Sin, right? And so what does that mean then to um, regard sin in the heart? Unconfessed sin, you're stewing on something, um, you're not repenting. You're right. You have a heart. So this is exact. How about there's a sin that we've done and we like to refresh it in our mind, as it opposed to, to as opposed to uh, repenting of it. It's it's a sin that's not confessed. It's a sin that's relived. Yeah. So that's one thing. We regard iniquity in our hearts. Right. We keep it there. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a big one. We need to confess it and repent of it. Um. And then, uh, how about this? Jim, could you read that one? Because it's James. <laughs> In 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Right? So this is our name it, claim it, prosperity gospel folks, right? It's all, I want a mansion. I want this. I want all to spend on themselves. And then lastly, I think we got one here. 1 Peter 3, 7. Michael, could you read that? 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands likewise, the well with them, with understanding, give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of grace, of the grace of life, that you that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm -hmm. So what kind of verse is it? We call it a command. Right? We have a command. Husbands likewise dwell. Right? So that's that starts off with the command words. Um, and what is the result of this? If men don't obey this, how does that affect them? The prayers, right? So if we're if we're not being um, if we're not living with our wives in a in a loving way then guess what our sins, our prayers do? They bounce off, the, literally, they just bounce off the ceiling. They're not going any further. You know, they're hindered. 
So guys, why? Because it goes back to our previous verses. We're not confessing sin. We're not repenting of sin. And so, I mean, there's, there's uh, 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 passages in there about sin, and this is just another one of them, but it's consistent, is that if we're in sin, then our prayers aren't going to be heard. And that's just pointing directly at husbands. Husbands have a greater responsibility. All right, so the struggle of prayer, right? Prayer can be hard work, but it shouldn't keep us from praying even when it requires sacrifice. How did Jesus pray before he selected the 12 apostles? Kathy, can you read it? Luke 6, 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Continued all night. You know, that's a long time to pray. <laughs> that, that is a long time. I haven't prayed all night before. Maybe a little bit. Not all night. But yeah, that's that's a long time to pray, isn't it? It's good to pray, though, when you wake up in the middle of the night at 1 o'clock, and then 2 o'clock, and then 3 o'clock, and then 4 o'clock. See, you just keep on that's praying, and then you can pray hour. yourself asleep, and then, you know, you get a little more. But yeah. So he prayed all night, and then how about what, what intensity did he pray with? Keone, read that and one. being in agony. He prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Yeah, and so people will look at this and say, wow, that's not possible. You can't bleed. You can't be bleeding from prayer. But And I, I should have the word on here, what this is called, but it's hemohydrosis, I think. Something yeah, like something that. Like that. Hemohydrosis. Yeah. And what is this? A person is so... Vexed. So vexed, so intense, so... Uh, uh, so worried, if you want to use that word, worried, but such an emotional outpouring of a person that literally they can burst their blood vessels. And then the blood vessels, which are right next to your sweat glands, as they sweat, will pull that blood out. So these great drops of blood, sweat mixed with, with uh, I mean, these great, it says great, great drops of sweat mixed with blood coming down as tainted red. So that's what it looks like, like blood falling down to the ground. That's intense prayer. So, and then Jesus, it says, after that verse, being in agony, prayed all the more earnestly. So be vigilant then in our thankfulness. So uh, what should believers do? No, what should believers be careful to do when we devote ourselves to prayer? Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Right? It isn't just about me, 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 what I need, what I need, but it's Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? In, in Thessalonians, when it talks about it, it says, be thankful. Pray without ceasing. So even when we're frustrated and discouraged, we can still approach God in prayer. <clears throat> Psalm 13. Uh, Michael, could you read that one? Psalm 13, 1 through 12. Mm -hmm. 1 through 2. To the chief musician, the Psalm of David, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long were my enemy bids offered over me? So why, why, is, why is David discouraged here? What's going on in his life? God, you're not answering my prayer right? when I want it to be. Yeah. Come so, on. But he's, you know, he's having a tough time, right? He's being chased by Saul. And uh, he, he, you know, is living in the caves, you know, on the run. And so um, he's discouraged. He's discouraged, right? But and he also thinks that God's not answering his prayers. But then again... When does God answer prayers? In his perfect timing. In his timing. Right? So, uh, Psalm 22.2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. Right. So he's praying. This is David again. Um, another lament where he's 
you know, just having a tough time in life. He's, but he's, he's praying to God, and that is in and of itself a release. He's just not having, uh, having things done on his timetable. So then, wait, did I do this one? Even when we're frustrated as careers, we can still approach God. No, we just covered that. Right? So then, prayer is governed by God's sovereignty, and his purpose determines his answer to our prayers. Second right? Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be uh, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what was Paul? He's praying for a thorn in the flesh, which we don't know what it is, but it's an it. It says here down here, it prayed that it would be removed from him. But some people say it's a, messenger of Satan to buffet him. Some people say it's somebody that's heckling him all the time. We're not 100% sure what it is. Um, but he did pray earnestly for it. And what was God's response? My grace. My grace is sufficient, right, for you. Right? Sometimes it's not, part, it's not necessarily what we want, that, you know, when we think it's best for us that you would remove this thorn. Paul says that. But not in God's eyes. In God's eyes, it's better than it just be there because his his grace is sufficient, right? And then his strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. So for us, likewise, we've got to worry about that. I mean, we've got to think about that. Prayer is governed by uh, sovereignty of God, his purposes, and um, he, his answers to our prayers are, right? So in this case, Jesus went a little farther, fell on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And so here we have Jesus is um, pleading because he knows what's coming, right? He's omniscient, but yet he's still willing to accept God's plan in this. So that's an example to us. We don't. We think we know what's best, which is, I think, it's great. Is that when Craig, Craig Johnson prays? You know, he says this, he says, uh, like, for the, the new buildings. But Lord, it seems good to us. It seems good to us, right? That's a recognition that, from our standpoint, this looks like a good thing. But God, you know better. And whatever you think is best is what's best. So I, I just love the way he says that. That's a recognition of that. So. Okay, so how does God answer our prayers? Well, sometimes immediately. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Psalm 138.3. And then, sometimes answers are delayed. Luke 18.7. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And, and will he delay long over them? There's a delay, so it's not necessarily in our time, but it's, it's, sometimes it's a delayed response. And then... But yet we're still exhorted to persist. Now he was telling them a parable. This is Luke 8, 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Right? Always pray. It was like the, uh, the woman who followed after Jesus because she had an issue of blood for 20 years, right? She was persistent. She just had to get up there. If I could just get there and touch his robe. Literally, that's, that's like an example of our prayer. It's, it's the persistence that uh, we need to have. And then sometimes um, the outcomes are different than what we... Let me see. Is that, uh, it's differently, right? Because Paul didn't get what he wanted, but Jesus... I mean, God responded in saying that his, uh, his grace is sufficient, right? So based on what we've covered... All that we have covered now, this is the big question. Is it biblical to name it and claim it? No. Is it biblical to speak it and seek it? No. Is it biblical to blab it and grab it? <laughs> oh, and you're right. 
I'm a rhymer. Any more? Can I add some more? Anybody got keep one? Keep coming, keep coming. I always add them on there. Because this is all the stuff that, you know, this is the name it, claim it. You know, the gospel prosperity. This is what they say. Speak it into existence. And I've actually heard, heard them say that. Speak it and seek it. So. The others, uh, name it and claim it. I've heard that one. Blab it and grab it. I made that one. That's funny. That's a good one. <laughs> so I was thinking, is there any more we can put in there? So, uh, and why is it not? Why, why is it not biblical? Why is it? Why is it not biblical to do this? Depending on you, and it's selfish. It's all about you. It's not about right glorifying the Lord. It's not right. Right. It's not. It's not asking in His name. It's you know. It's not asking in His will. So yeah, very good. All right then. Pray, application, pray in accordance with God's will. Pray without ceasing. Pray with faith. Model your prayers after acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Um, just one quick question. Sometimes, y'all you, you didn't ask that, but some people ask, what's the difference between uh, supplication and prayer? And somebody says prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, what do they all mean? Why, 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 why are they used kind of like together? So here it is. Colossians, it's like four different things. Yeah. But it's how you pray for ones like for you and then ones for them and, or the situation. I can't. Yeah. So prayer is the general description. It's all prayer, mm -hmm. right? Prayer is what we do in communication to God from us to God, right? But all of these other things are in the prayer. Adoration. Lord, God in heaven, you are amazing, glorious, praise God. Confession. Lord, I've sinned. Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given us. Supplication. Lord, please, I need, we need our daily food. We need this, we need that. So all of these come under the umbrella of prayer. So, but you guys are... Yeah, you guys are more... Uh, more mature believers, you understand that. So usually in a, in a FOF with lots of beginners, though, that question will come up. Anyway, so what have we covered today? The nature of prayer, the practice of prayer, the struggle of prayer, and application. Any questions about prayer? Are we done with this? We're done. The next, okay. Yeah, so next week is lesson number nine.